Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, my name is John Kennedy and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are artist Will Joseph Cook and producer Hugh Worscott. Will hails from Tunbridge Wells in Kent and was an early developer when it came to his songwriting talents, having been spurred on by an enthusiastic father and the attendance of countless gigs as an early teen. Inspired by the likes of Vampire Weekend and MGMT, Will soon began to write his own material and after a couple of years developing his craft, released his first EP, You Jump, I Run, in 2015, aged barely 18. The following year, now signed by Atlantic Records and with a second EP under his belt, Will started work on his first full-length album, Sweet Dreamer, which was released in April 2017 on Atlantic Records to high praise amongst critics and fans alike. Hugh is a producer and composer based at the Dairy Studios in Brixton. His skills as a multi-instrumentalist and programmer are further enhanced by a degree in classical music, giving him a great ability to work across genres. His credits to date span both established and emerging artists and include the likes of Crystal Fighters, Delphic, Michael Kuanuka and Birdie, to name a few. This podcast comes to you from the Dairy Studios in Brixton, where I was joined by Will and Hugh partway through the making of Will's debut album, Sweet Dreamer. So this is where the magic happens, as it were. Yes. So um, when did you two meet? How did you start working together and how long have you been working together? Um, well, from my perspective, I don't know if anything else went on, but I was just, I was basically set up with Hugh through my a and I'm pretty sure we just, it was during the World Cup or something, we went to it and we just met at a pub and we're both lightweight, so we had a beer and then started talking about music and then I think we were pretty just much thrown into our first session after that. So. Right, so ignored the football. And, oh, and, yeah, and they started talking about music. Yeah, yeah. I like that's that's those are you know that's my kind of attitude really. Yeah, yeah. I mean I knew Will Zanar already, and he asked me and played me some of Will's demos, which I loved. And then we set up a meeting, see if we got on, um, and we did straight away. Um, as I remember, we had a few pints and started having very intense conversations about politics instead of music. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. that sounds about right. Yeah, so after this pivotal meeting between the two of you where you had a few drinks, talked music or politics or both, um, when did you actually get in a, a room together and start working together? I think it was a few weeks, like a few weeks later. It wasn't straight away and I think that was... That was a good move. It was intentional as well, I think, because we kind of, we left it that we were going to create this collaborative playlist on Spotify and just share some music and kind of just get on the same page as each other and try and, you know, I need, I wanted to have a think about what I felt I could do with Will um, and I wanted to kind of understand where he was coming from because I think the thing which I realised when I first met Will was that he listened to far more music than um, a lot of artists might do and he was drawing from all over the place so it was about focusing that and trying to work out how to distill that down into kind of you know his own thing yeah um so yeah i think it was probably about maybe a month afterwards um yeah it was good because you know as you said like that that playlist just allowed us to put in the groundwork instead of just going in a bit more confused like we knew i knew that going in that we had a lot of like common ground in what we were listening to and there was definitely that was definitely a signal to me that it was going to work and that I was, we were probably going to make something that I really enjoyed because 
yeah, we were throwing in stuff that I hadn't heard, but it was all stuff that we both enjoyed. So um, yeah, and so that the first track on here is uh, "Death from Above" nineteen seventy nine, which is probably a bit heavier than we ended up going. But yeah, I'm not surprised. It's, it's, it's right. a train wreck nineteen seventy nine. It's got a great middle eight. I think that's why I, I put that one on there. <laughs> what else is on there? Yeah, and then these are all the Will. So lots of Vampire Weekend from Will. Right. Which is a great reference um, sonically as well as from a songwriting That Portishead track, Numb. Yeah. That all, you're hearing message like, it was just the open snare from that, the bonk sound, which ends up something similar in message. Yeah. Um, and message was the first result of, of this meeting and this collaboration between the two of you. Um, and so how soon did you arrive at that recording? The first day, I think pretty really, much wow. every, everything yeah. that's that like the the key parts of the track, even to like produ- even the production ideas and stuff, and it was all like really instant. And I think it was fairly like I had I had ideas for the track, but it wasn't like put together structure wise as a track. So kind of just you know when she was throwing stuff at it, you know I kind of put the song together whilst we were doing it. So like it was like an insanely quick work process and i think it was quite mad <laughs> yeah but i think i think it was like a proper um light coming on in a sense that it was in an obvious way it starts with like just an acoustic guitar and stuff and then turns into something completely different and i think that was you know i had definitely been maybe like pigeonholed not by my own will into people thinking that I would be like an acoustic singer-songwriter where it was probably just because that was the instrument I had and that was what I wrote chords on but it was not like it was never the music that I was listening to I wanted to make so I think the way that the track quickly transforms into something else is pretty uh, significant. I think I think we should hear it shall we hear the finished version and uh, is there an is there a a demo version as well to contrast that with or, or no, no, no so the finished version no, is basically is. what oh, there we've is. got a rough early version just it has a classic um, Will Joseph Cook just completely unfinished lyrics on the first thing <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> basically we should say this is something that Will does so he writes uh, all his lyrics phonetic or the vocal lines are all using phonetics and hardly any of them have finished lyrics apart from the odd tagline here and there mm. it's usually the so taglines that stick yeah. and then like everything else is just like and we arrange it produce it and then the last thing which happens is we'll write the lyrics and then we then we can do all the vocal recording and that said I've finished all the lyrics to the track we're working at the moment and I swear it's fucked you up like it's, <laughs> it's confused him <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't, words, she doesn't know what to do now because, <laughs> yeah, haven't got phonetics to answer. Over the hillside, watching the waves, feeling like nothing could take this away. Well, if we had a message, I think it got lost. Feeling like this good Ignoring the cost Where you find me Where I lay Always Don't go breaking off Like I did I feel like Listening, listening, playing that part again. 
Wow, I mean, that sounds really developed. So where did that arrive? This, so that we just heard the, what you've labelled the rough version of Message, yeah. um, and that's the demo. So it was nothing recorded when you brought it into Hugh. You were just performing it to mm. Hugh, or did you have a phone demo or anything like that? Or that is what happened that day, that first I, meeting? That's basically what yeah. happened that day. I mean, I think the song was so fresh from Will's perspective, you probably did have a voice memo of it, but I hadn't heard it. I don't mm. know if Labelhead had it. It was more like... Here's a song, and like the attitude of Atlantic, which was great, was that we could just go in and do what we wanted and see what happened. Like it was proper. It was a it good was, precedent that I think we set. Is just definitely with the early tracks, we just seemed to get told like to go in and record one track, and then we did a different one. Yeah, you just be like, you go anything else, and I just play something a lot like fresher yeah. or something that I felt I was more excited about, and then we do that, and then that would usually turn out better. Yeah, yeah. turn out better because we both just like clicked on it or had ideas for it straight away well, yeah. I think that's it I mean I think the reason why that's such a kind of developed demo first off is because I mean a lot of the production is linked to the arrangement anyway and I think because we've been sharing all these tracks with each other in the run up and been thinking about it and it was a fresh track for Will as well as me so he kind of had a lot of ideas he hadn't been able to express yet I think we just arrived at very quickly a few strong elements which kind of defined what it was um, and then kind of working it up. I mean, we Will has a lot of ideas very fast, so when you're in the room with him and you're putting together your rearrangement, the philosophy is not to kind of, you know, spend ages choosing mics and, you know, getting guitar tones and stuff like that. Half the time it's plug plug the guitar in DI, just use an emulator on the computer, just swing a mic in front of an acoustic guitar, just get it down quickly so you don't interrupt that uh, kind of thought process and that creative flow, because I think that... You know, Will works very spon- um, spontaneously, and if it's rolling, we'll have something together in a few hours, yeah. like, literally. And then, and if it's not, then it takes you know, quite a few more days. <laughs> it takes we- weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I so think- the process is to it was always to kind of ex- exploit that when it's you know when it's going that smoothly, and we do when it does go well, we get stuff together pretty fast. I think. I think it's a uh, part of uh, your competitive nature. <laughs> a bit as well and probably mine that we like definitely on some tracks um especially beach and stuff we had a point to prove that this was a better track than what they wanted us to record yeah. right that's so, interesting yeah. we'll get on to beach in just a minute yeah and i think for me as well if your ideas are strong it's a very easy track to produce like if you're you shouldn't be using kind of sonics as a means to kind of make an excuse for what might be just a bad guitar part if you've got a good guitar part it'll be interesting and it'll have something about it no matter whether it's played a bit out of time or out of tune or whether the sound isn't quite right on the guitar, like if the part's good, the part's good. But I think, and I think as well, working like that, it does make you work a bit harder because there's nothing to, there's nothing to hide behind. It's unforgiving, yeah. Yeah, it's basically, if that part's crap, then it's crap. Like, you know. <laughs> Whereas sometimes, you know, if you're tracking a band live, it can sound impressive and exciting and then something's not quite working and you start to, or, you know, if you've got a very fully formed demo that you're working on, you start to dig a bit deeper and you, take a couple of things out and it all falls apart and you're like oh well it's because actually like there's not a solid foundation here yet we need to go back and start again so yeah it's all about the foundation of it and then everything else is like so easy and i'd like to hear the the finished version now in contrast to that i think that would be interesting it's pulling my heart out the perfect day the feeling that nothing could take this away Well, if we had a message 
I think you got lost Maybe I'm closer now Than we ever got Yeah, you'll find me where I lay Always Was something switching off Did I miss it? So that's the finished version of Message, Will yep. Joseph Cook. And um, yeah, I mean, that sounds great. Were any of the um, the takes from the demo included in the final version? I or, think the Simpson things you... were, I mean, I think we, well, obviously not the vocal because Will hadn't uh, written the lyrics. I think we redid the guitars in the end just because there was that, such a frenetic pace of work on the first day that they needed yeah. like a little bit more attention. But Yeah. Um, the next song we're going to talk about is Beach, which yeah. you've already mentioned. And uh, you, you, you alluded to um, challenging preconceptions about what Beach should be or could be. So at what stage of development did you start working on Beach? I think then? this was maybe about our third kind of session together. So we did a message on another track called Streets of Paris to start off with. And then I think we have Christmas was in between, wasn't it? And I think it was, what was the beginning of 2015. Came back in and did... Yeah, we did a couple more, and I remember I really liked... So Will played me Beach, and I really liked it, but we're kind of <laughs> being told that it maybe wasn't one to work on now. And we decided well, people just didn't, like... Get I, it. I could hear it, and, like, I had jam I had jam with these guys that I used to... Like, I kind of knew... I knew just the bass line was going to be dead simple, and they had, like, another dumb guitar part, and I kind of knew what the chorus should be on it, but obviously hadn't got a chance to, like, show anyone else that because I needed to record it you know with you and have a bass guitar and whatever mm. all this all this stuff i remember saying so we better get this right otherwise yeah we'll be in i'll be in trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so you broke rank and decided to work on beach instead of this other track and that uh, did, did the other track ever get finished or, or worked on can't remember what it was no, no. Can't i don't even think so. yeah you yeah. know i think as well it was it's a you know, we've got the acoustic demo here. Which yeah, so what what happened first? I think it's just very evident from this, it's fundamentally, it's a pop song. And so it's, okay, well, we need to do that. But through, I, kind I, of through the filter of Will Joseph Cook, you know. Yeah, I think people were scared that, well, I don't know if we'd had realised the pop element of what I was doing, which is probably what I always wanted to write. Um, yeah. yeah, so this was a first step into that. One, two, one, two, three. I felt... Show out yeah. If your luck's allowed Everything I'm dreaming about It's a fall To me Got you City If your luck's allowed Everything we dream about Go So Cold If your luck's allowed Like, oh. That's the dumb guitar lead. <laughs> Just sounds sad in teenage. I mean, it doesn't go much further than this. <laughs> 
So at that this point, this is the it, first like little like yeah like phone demo thing. Yeah, I think if I seem to remember, first thing we did was just kind of trim the song down a little bit, give it like a slightly tighter structure, and be like, right, that's the chorus. Yeah, and put it into slightly more um, kind of concise context. And then there wasn't. I mean, the middle eight's a big moment of this track for me, but there wasn't one there. And I remember saying to Will, "We need a middle eight. And he was like, oh, how about this? And just started this, singing this great thing, that'll do, that's fine. You know, yeah, it was the actually like the first to... idea. It, yeah. was, it was good. That was, a, that was a big lesson for me, middle eights. Yeah. <laughs> Write them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear this middle eight then. Yeah, so I think that was quite a, that was, when that happened, it was very, um, it was one of those very spontaneous kind of production moments as well. I mean, it's an amazing bit of top line from Will. And it's one of those, you know, you hear something about and something pops into your head. It was actually pulling up the first string synth that I could put my hands on nothing expensive. In fact, a very embarrassingly cheap and free one. <laughs> and, you know, a bit of processing on it. Which is just the character of, uh, takes the track into kind of quite a dreamy place, considering mm. before it's been quite punchy and quite kind of anthemic. And that's just a lot of chorus, a lot of saturation, and a cheap string synth. All you need. <laughs> but it's cool interesting sound, hearing yeah. the just the guitar and voice, and then just the start of other elements transforms it really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's amazing what a couple of things can do. I think as well we decided that it, we wanted it to be beat driven because we hadn't really done. I guess I mean message doesn't. I mean, it has rhythm to it, but it doesn't necessarily. It's rhythm have like led a rather beat. than beat led. And so this we actually went for a proper kind of, you know very simple I guess it's kind of a hip hop beat I mean they're hip hop samples but yeah you should play it like, yeah. it starts on the beat which is something that even after this didn't get as revisited much as I'd probably like to so if I'm going to add anything probably be something more like this to the album I mean incredibly simple it's just a few samples and that runs throughout the whole track I think in the chorus we've got a live kit Let's comes in, in dubbing it Anchors the track, yeah. and the fact it's like a constant thing as well, it just draws a lot of attention to that vocal melody. Mm. Still the same beat, but just a few out. We put a live kit behind it just to try and give a bit of scale and a bit more impact, um, kind of gel it to some of the more acoustic elements in there. That sounds great. And it's really interesting how just the little changes incrementally colour a song in that way and the way that you've built that from just the guitar and vocal to adding those elements. Um, So what was the reaction then when you turned around and said, actually, we have forgotten about that other song and been working on this one that you told us not to bother with? Quite underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone found it very pop at the stage that we were at, that Will and I were at working together. It was by far the most... We were, pop thing. We loved it. Like, <laughs> I got home, I'm like, I was just like so addicted 
And yeah, I must have listened. I just like looped it. I listened to it about 25 times. I was like, yeah, this is banging. This is great. And like, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think it because it, it delivers and like it's instant. I love, I think that's my like romance with pop is like just to me, it's a song that like delivers what you want when you want. Yeah. Yeah, um, which isn't which is not in yeah. any way uh, lame or manufactured to me. That's that's what pop means. Yeah, needless yeah. to say, I think the label are on board with it now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, guy, we played it to the guys at radio, and they were like, "Yes, this is the one." And then yeah. suddenly, everyone was like, "Yes, this is the one." <laughs> <laughs> I think in the case of this one, it was more. It's quite interesting because when we this was the last track I think we did before we started the album, and. Uh, when we started the album, we kind of defaulted a little bit more to a left field place, both in terms of Will's writing, in terms of what I was doing on the production side. And we, did, I don't, like, in hindsight's easy, but I don't think we quite realised we'd, we'd almost got ahead of ourselves with Beach at this point. Yeah, and, totally. Be- and Beach is actually setting an agenda which we suddenly found ourselves revisiting, kind of unintentionally for the singles and the record, and it all started to kind of make more sense. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tape It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So you've got to Beach and you realised in a way, you know, we've struck another uh, another seam here of, of, of gold. And, and you're getting ahead of yourselves, as you were saying, Hugh, you know, that you're almost starting to think in terms of a different kind of picture and, and about other material and how you can develop it. So you're working on the album now or is the album done? No, we hadn't started working on the album. Actually. Right. So yeah. Beach was at the end of EP2. Yeah. Um, and then we had a pause of a few months. Will had his exams. I went on holiday. Um, <laughs> and then we, I get, yeah, we reconvened and we started... There was a list of songs that Will had got acoustic demos through, which kind of was a very, very kind of loose idea of what an album might be 
Um, and we just started work on a few of those, putting arrangements together and gradually got more and more into it. And I think probably spent the best part of what, six to eight weeks just doing that initial part of the process on these songs. So doing the arrangement bits kind of um, it's, it helping. sounds really slow, but like it's I definitely think it's weird to look back at it and think it was just just me and Hugh working on it. And especially if it's you know, I made a point of, you know, wanting to keep it all my writing and stuff like that. So it is a slow process when it's just two people like really going in on things yeah. and trying to lay down the best possible foundation. You know, so we were doing it all in just your little, your old room in Bermondsey. So yeah. just in a practically like a writing room type studio. Yeah. But right. um, no, so we were in Bermondsey in my old room. Then we went to an amazing residential called Angelic for a couple of weeks to track up drums, bass, strings on one track and just use that environment with an engineer to really concentrate on the things which kind of you know uh, sonically like the center yeah, of the, the track things we had put second as well you know like yeah. guitar tones and stuff like that you're, you're going to illustrate what where you're up to now i think you because you've put all, pulled up an interesting looking page on on your computer um so this is you're in angelic doing some other kind of the more the glossier end of yeah. things possibly which we hadn't really done before i mean the first two eps it was kind of a diy hmm. approach in many ways you know it was very much you know, we weren't going in, bringing in lots of different players and things. We were trying to do as much as we could ourselves because that was that was what was giving it the character and the individuality to for the music to be Will's. Yeah, it's keeping um, it undiluted and yeah, not overcomplicating things. And for Angelic, it was kind of okay. So how do we move it on the next stage? And you know, we figured a residential would be a good idea because it just gives you a concentrated period to really get into stuff. We worked out all the parts in advance and probably about 10 tracks, I think. Yeah. And then just went in and um, Ben McCluskey, who engineered the album, came up with us and it was just focusing on things like the drum sound, right? What are we What are we going for here? Are we going for big roomy drums? Are we going for, generally it was really tight pop drums, which were a, f- a lot of what we did in Angelic actually was a reflection of the process we've been up to. So guitar tones had generally been DIs, in you know in my room because it was easier than having an amp you know going full blast next to your ear and drum samples i was going for drum machine samples which sounded real so it's things like 707 snare dmx snares um things like that which have got a bit of crack and don't sound kind of completely artificial still have something kind of earthy and organic about them but still have you know that sampled sound so we're using those just as a quick way of working to get an impression of what we wanted but then I guess I mean I kind of believe if you choose a snare sound some of the decisions you then make around that in terms of part writing or tones and things like that will reflect in whatever that snare is because that snare takes up like a certain place in the frequency spectrum a certain place in the arrangement so we ended up actually trying to work out how to do real versions of the fake stuff we put in so you know the di Again, trying not to ruin it yeah yeah so basically bring it back to what we had <laughs> yeah so this thing so the drum kit was like heavily treated weird you know we, i'd take the bottom skins off the tom drums mute the top skins a lot so it's kind of beatles kind of cardboard box sound very dead bit of tone but kind of no ring or anything like that drum machiney again with a snare would drop the tuning on the snare you know, usually be a wallet on top or like an, or another snare skin taped down just to mute it and make it as dead and kind of uh, punchy as possible. Um, and be close mics mainly, you know, put a lot of acoustic treatment around the kit. 
and just try and go for something which is like super punchy and super um, poor poor Barney the guy who's playing drums on it she just puts him through this perpetual torture every time we work with him he's just he's like he's a great drummer and definitely uh, more of a muso drummer than probably he likes to perform he likes to put performance together and like it'll just be like you know he'll do this like cool stuff and then we'll just be like yeah can you just go bop bop but just like individual hits, funny, and then we'll just we'll put them together. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the poor guy has to, yeah. But we'd kind of build up a performance. We'll get him playing the part, get all the kit patterns and things locking in, because you know we'd obviously already worked out bass lines and things like that. So we needed him to be doing pretty much what we'd worked out on the computer. Yeah, just getting it to groove. And yeah, so do his thing, and then it would right. Can I just get a, get you playing the kick part, please? <laughs> now just the snare part. Now just the hi hat part. Now the tom part, and you oh, can see it like, why, why have I turned up? <laughs> <laughs> but it also means from a processing point of view, um, and from the mixer's point of view as well, we've got that much more control about the drum dynamics and drum t- drum tones and things like that. So we're almost treating the acoustic drum kit as like a sample machine in itself. Um, and certainly the mixers responded to that really well, you know, pushing kicks or snares. Let's hear it. So this is Girls Like Me, and this is just the kick and snares. I think there are two real snares layered up here. And then we've got a hi-hat. So this is Girls Like Me, and, and yeah. this was one of the songs that you'd been working on in in Bermondsey before. Yeah. 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 Well, it used to be called Not A Drill as well. It's a good yeah. fact. Yeah. We've got the really early acoustic version as well we can play. This is... You can have like the very first phone phone demo. Looking back, I guess it was all kind of hazy. Got me caught up in frustrated love. How do things always get so heavy? Always escalating tellies and touch. Mona Lisa, come out your shell. Yeah, I remember when you first played it to me. I think that was one again where I didn't have the demo and I think you'd been playing at the back of the room and I was like, that's cool. And you got the la, 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 and I was like, that's so hooky. And yeah, I was like... It's I, 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 I in the verse originally, the la, la. I think I sent you a version with that. Have you got the ones that I sent over? Because there is one where it, it has like a fleeting little moment of the la, la, la's and I was just... That was definitely an inner battle. I was like, can I do the la, la, la's? <laughs> She knows me so well It's crazy what she does today In my heart just ain't well Ain't she kind of color She says life, life, life And I that yeah, so that was it, didn't it? And that was, yeah. Fetal well, so that stage. is the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, gosh, it's really interesting, because I mean, that's such a big element. You well, should keep that playing, because it has other other little bits in it, and it's weird hearing how they've found their way into the finished track. So this is the old bridge. Now you're looking back I guess you are 
I think it was part of the result. We've been playing that in the back of a room, and I'd be like, "That la 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 is amazing." So like, what? That's a bridge. And it's like, no, that's your big hook. So move yeah. that across, and then suddenly the rest of the song just slotted into place. What What are we going to hear now? Then? Um, so well, up? I was going to quickly play a little bit of the kind of what I call the production demo. So what yeah. we took into Angelic with us, what we had worked out, and um, then kind of go through the main session and uh, kind of see where we developed it from there. Yeah. But I mean, the two were kind of quite close in a way. This was one where we were having to not overwork it. Hopefully we didn't. So this is our demo before we started recording it properly. And this was probably an afternoon's work again. I was running from the same Still not finished the lyrics. No. <laughs> I guess it was a kind of hazy got me caught up and frustrated in love. Because it had an instant vibe as soon as we were putting this together. It just didn't change that much. Just tell them la 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 Girls like me don't come around. No, Rogers wanna be. <laughs> <laughs> and we de- definitely didn't overuse that hook either. <laughs> and why was it called Not a Drill at this point then? It was just it was just a lyric that I thought was stronger in it and then realised that girls like me was way more provocative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well it works in so many ways, doesn't it? No. Yeah, yeah. So it could be a statement about about yourself, you know. <laughs> in the second verse, this guitar line, another dumb guitar line by me. <laughs> I think we ended up using the, gu- the guitar from the demo actually this might be one where we couldn't beat it in Angelic yeah. so just like we might as well use the original and all these backing vocals are, are they all you Will or yeah. Yeah. yeah wow I think we may have had a little help from uh, Melodyne working them out in the first place but then they were properly sung in afterwards yeah. <laughs> that's kind of just auto-tune is very helpful for working out and um, harmony if yeah. you can't hear the right one just like drag it about on a computer and yeah you'll, it's you'll how, it's how right I get one. my kicks is to pitch shift wheel all over the place and work out what the, <laughs> what the harmonies are and sometimes where you can find much more interesting harmonies as well I mean I um, if I'm tr- I tend if I'm trying to come up with them in a room to go for the obvious thing and actually if you're so for people who don't know Melodyne is it's a tuning program it's not also tune it's you can choose what to make any note within the program so you can just experiment a bit more without making a tit out of yourself because you're not having to sing it back to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you just find some of those much more interesting harmonies than you would do otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it hearing that now, I mean, you've been talking about pop music and I mean, that is a, a prime example of, of pop music, I think, which is really interesting. So I think I'm getting Don't the impression... Don't fight it. Don't fight it. No, no well, I'm getting the impression that, you know, obviously, boy comes out of bedroom with guitar, sings some songs, and gets perceived and looked at in a certain kind of way because, like, because yeah, of the way that... granary toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, acoustic guitar. Yeah, but it's kind of inevitable. And it also might seem, you know, you're, you're young, it's tentative, it might seem more serious than it necessarily is. And, yeah. and you might be perceived in that way. But obviously, in your mind you're thinking about these things and thinking about them in a different way i I think you know it's not to say that uh the music the music lyrically and what it means and stuff is again three-dimensional in that i quite like i like having the duality of writing 
you can have lyrics that mean the like the absolute world to you and are so emotional and if you can kind and if you can mask that not mask it but like pair it with um with like a bouncy pop track like surely that's way more interesting and gives way more for a listener uh, a fan to like uncover as you and it and it's more of a statement i think than it just it just feels too obvious like you know making a a sad song or something and 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 that was a theme that we a massive theme for making this album was um catharsism and just mm-hmm. take, taking pleasure in pain and like that balance of like happy and sad and in, instead of giving you one emotion with a track i think the best songs in the world give make you feel almost tragically sad and ecstatically happy at the same time and it's and it's this general like looming emotion um well, it gives so you that's what a, it gives to... like the listener a longer experience of the track as well i mean if you've got a one-dimensional piece of music it's generally quite throwaway you kind of experience it and then you've got everything out of it but actually the tracks for me and one of the things which that draws me towards music so much is if you're listening to it for the tenth time and you suddenly start hearing an element of melancholy in there it's more about like anxiety of like being on my own and not knowing what the hell is going on this song (laughs) um like definitely with verse two and the middle eight lyrics let's let's hear it the the finished the finished thing but with um verse chorus and middle eight so we can hear the context of the middle eight It's a hit. <laughs> so which, that was the, which production thing? So this is the album session. Right. And now I'll so, take you through some of the parts of it, if you like. Um, we have a million, million backing vocals in here, which is... You can meet the WJC choir. Yeah. There are lots in there. Girls like me don't come around that much. La, 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 la. So here we've doubled them up with very close mic uh, vocals and then we had Will in the live room with a mic at the back of the room just to give a bit of depth. Um, All in one harmony, then we have another harmony going, which has got the same treatment. We're just trying to get those to stay stay energetic and not sound... Yeah, lazy. That's why they sound a bit like staccato and a bit like 
musical theatre on their own. <laughs> yeah, no, we did have that to get for it to punch through a track. It's like you've got to exaggerate. We've got to kind of go really over the top in it, otherwise they'll just disappear. Uh, we use backing vocals a lot, and he's lucky that his voice stacks up so well. You know, it's kind of it's a it's a good listen rather than mm. it's like oh really Eight, sixteen wilders of cooks all at once. Uh, but something we did do quite a lot on the record just to create. I mean, I like using backing vocals to kind of highlight certain lines. Kind of lyrically, yeah. You know, I think when we look at "Take Me we Dancing," we love a good backing vocal. Yeah, well, when we look when we at "Take Me one. Dancing" to pull out that lyric, it's just that again, it's like another sixteen wills. But then to kind of different, we had different groups of backing vocals doing different roles. So you have the backing vocals doing those kind of things, which is kind of working together with the lead vocal line, and then there are other ones which are more kind of other parts and just little counter melodies which might switch in. But when if you have them all treated the same way then it can get confusing. Like, or the backing vocals are jumping all over the place. Sometimes they're singing like oohs and sometimes they're doing lyrics. So what we ended up doing quite a bit of was just treating and using spring re- reverb a lot on the backing vocals to give different parts of different characters and put them in their own places. So in the bridges in this one. So here we've got some dry vocals doing um, doing backing vocals, doubling up the looking back lyric in the bridge. And they're very much helping with lead vocal line. And you've also got some oohs in the background which are covered in chorus and spring reverb which are kind of it still will but just you'll in the track your perception of what they are they become two completely different things so looking back simple as that (laughs) (laughs) where is it is it and then in context the other thing about the use which we did which was quite nice in this one is bringing them back in the post chorus at the end it's kind of using you have these few elements and these sonic characteristics kind of as much as you can without it getting wearing rather than just having a million. So in the post, the ooze from the bridge develop into this. Just kind of double the pace at which they happen. And then in the context, it's... And I don't know, people might not even notice that that's from the pre-early in the track, but it just feels like a nice way to tie all the elements together and lift the track one more stage when yeah you know, and it's dying in the seconds it is interesting how stuff just does sink into the background yeah but as soon as you take it out you you're missing it. it yeah yeah so take me dancing is the last song we're going to look yeah. at yeah yeah and this is the, the kind of the latest at this point in time the latest yeah this is new last, piece of yeah. music from will joseph cook yes that's out there in the world so yeah. how does this follow on from girls like me was girls like me finished before you start working girls on like me were, it wasn't recorded but we'd done all the arrangement mm, yeah. and all the kind of the song tweaks to get it into its i think this song learned pop. a lot from it yeah this and feels like a development from it and certainly you had the so we've got the original original acoustic demo of it, uh, which I can play. We'll yeah, have the chorus, awesome. and again, it was a chorus I heard. Like, that's an amazing chorus, and I hadn't. I don't think I'd heard it before, had I? No, it um, was. It was something I'd actually had it kicking around for months, and just hadn't really like shared with people because I knew I didn't really have the verse for it or anything like that. So it had just sat on my phone for a long time. But yeah, this is it. It's, it's a different verse. So it's completely unrecognizable from the start. I think this was in English classroom E that I made there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, this is all gibberish. <laughs> but you'll see, like, the, the tagline, Take Me Dancing, is in this, and those are the things that are, like, my cornerstones of what it's going to be. I still think this bit's good. But I do what I want to do. I mean that bears so much resemblance to that hasn't changed that much. The chorus, yeah, no. and then it's just a bit fun. I think I remember when you played it to me, it was like that chorus is golden. But the verse, in the verse, I, I actually really like. I think it's really good, but it doesn't. I think because we've done girls like me, we had this kind of specific idea of what a Wilders of cook pop song should could, be yeah. or should be. The chorus in that demo is exactly that to my ears but then the verse didn't quite seem to sit alongside it, it felt like a different song no, and it didn't, next to it and there were you know everything from the way I'm performance and just slightly how my vocal more you know it's, it's it's to me like as a singer I don't think I had found like what I was as much then because that was that was around the time like even before I started working with you I had that kicking around I okay. that was like really old so that's like pre-message and stuff like that should we listen to yeah. that verse Here's to Julian, a man among a million others Turned his back upon it all Raise another glass and smash it up into its fragments Walking barefoot on the ground And as I fall into the bottle bank you can make me into anything as long as I'm Yeah, so that just is like a, a flow from verse to bridge to chorus works so much when we'll come up it works so much yeah. better for me. Like that feels like a complete song. It feels like it's all come from the same place. It's the same statement yeah. effectively, which in the original demo wasn't quite there. I mean it's interesting with a title like Take Me Dancing, does that do you then feel as a songwriter that you've got to have something that kind of relates to dancing in in some way? I will say this every time just as a disclaimer to clear my name but like it will be I will sound like a bit of a douche talking about uh, what the lyrics mean and stuff like that but the song is essentially has like a slightly nostalgic feel to it but it's basically like a a love song to like the best moments of life whether so the verses are like little fictitious moments of when you didn't say no to something and you just like went with the flow and the best thing, you know, just like embracing moments rather than saying no all the time. I guess that's the kind of meaning behind the track. Going with the spontaneity of it and saying Yeah, yeah. spontaneity yeah. And, and just like allowing life to take its course and don't be just like a naysayer the whole time because, yeah, the moment you say yes to something really random is some when the best things happen so but it's interesting actually because it's meant to be a celebration but I remember because Will wrote these lyrics when we were in Angelic but there's also kind of a melancholia to it as well I think like yeah because it's like looking back at these like yeah. pivotal moments where you either met someone that like a great friend or someone that you love or yeah it's a celebration of, of those moments message to self yeah it's, it's almost like if I can if I can affect like my own mood with something I've created then it should do that tenfold to someone else because they don't know what's coming 
that's why I think always writing when I'm miserable is a good or writing when I'm happy you know like if I'm feeling an extreme then I'm more likely to write something good because I almost task myself to like make me feel the opposite of what I'm feeling and then it goes into this weird mid-ground so if I'm feeling just pretty down then if I if I can write something that then like lifts my mood then I know that I've got something that has provoked like enough of a emotional change that that that's what it should be you know so it's almost like a little game whatever can get you just feeling something you're gonna write you know good songs so well I think we should hear the mixed version of Tammy dancing now okay. right to Emily make her laugh and talk her accent see the color in her eyes Take a palm and joke about a life together Lying smoking on the ground And as I fall into the bottle bank You can make me into anything As long as I'm reflecting you So, I mean, the album's not quite finished in that you've said that you're going to still work yeah. on the the potential of another two or three songs to be added that you're, you're thinking about at the moment. But so far, um, what have the highs and lows been? You know, I mean, we, we've kind of worked quite chronologically today in yeah. the conversation in that we started with, you know, uh, quite a strong learning process, it seems to me, from from message to beach and you know each song is linked in that you've learned something as you've created it and developed it i'm getting the impression that in some ways the highs are the realization actually i can achieve this. yeah it's the you the eureka moments and the lows are just everything in between i guess <laughs> it's like you're craving that that kind of hit of just like ah oh, the, the instantaneous of it, uh, ness of it working and but also when you've labored at something and then it finally clicks but yeah, I guess it was yeah it was that process of of, of reaching that. Well, well, yeah. thanks for being so open and uh, eloquent about everything. It's been fascinating to learn about the whole process and to hear the various different stages um, of the process as well. Amazing! You've, yeah, op- you've like opened album, up. It's like album rehab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell us about this track. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk about. It. Come on. <laughs> Maybe we'll rechristen the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Album rehab. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks um, so much. Oh, thank you very much. Will. Thank you. Until next time. Bye. I'm John Kennedy, and this has been Tape Notes, brought to you by In The Woods. Have a look at the website, inthewoodsfestival.co.uk. Check out the YouTube channel. The barn sessions are on there. All sorts of amazing footage from so many of the amazing bands that have played at In The Woods over the years. And follow In The Woods on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.